0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Director of Missions Mobilization, Dave Harden. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. My name is Pastor Dave Harden, and I'm filling in this morning for Pastor Joe. He could not be with us. I want to assure you that he is fine and well, but circumstances just did not allow him to be with us this morning. And... Um, as we look at scripture this morning, I want us to do this in mind of the fact that we are now rolling out what we call the growth plan. And it's a tool that is meant to be used within the context of biblical community, so more than just one, more than individuals, uh, but it's a tool that is meant to be used with one another as we grow together to become more like Christ. So with that in mind, what I want to talk about today is what we see in Scripture as God's growth plan for us. And uh, we're going to take a look at a passage from Hebrews chapter 3, but before we get into Hebrews chapter 3, I want to set the context of what the author to the Hebrews, the environment and the context that he's writing this in, and that the Hebrew believers find themselves in. Now, the Hebrews are uh, mainly, are primarily uh, made up of Jewish believers, but as within many churches, it's possible that not everyone was a believer that was receiving this letter and, and hearing it as it was read. And so, this letter was written to primary Jewish believers, and what's going on with them is that they're Uh, Facing persecution, they're facing trials, tribulations in their life because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And some of them are considering turning away from Jesus to going back to Judaism, which is rooted in the old covenant, rooted in the law of Moses, because if they continue in their faith in Jesus, life's going to be real tough for them. And so in their minds, they're considering should we go back to that which we once had before because that was a whole lot easier if we go back we won't be persecuted the way we're being persecuted now and we see that clearly in hebrews chapter 10 now another thing i do want to mention is we're kind of going old school this morning because uh, we don't have any slides we don't have the scriptures that we're going to be reading through up on the screen we don't have a worksheet for you to work through but we do have God's word, so uh, we're going to go old school. And what I would ask of you is that you just follow, follow along with me in your Bibles, where you're seated here, where you're sitting at home. So with that, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. And this is going to give us an idea of the context for which this letter was written says but recall the former days when after you were enlightened you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. It's talking about Jesus Christ. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, your confidence in Jesus, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. It's talking about their endurance and their faith in Jesus Christ. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. It's talking about the, the return of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus. But my righteous one in the meantime shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So so what a strong word of encouragement, but also what a strong word of warning. If he shrinks back. My soul has no pleasure in him. Talking about the one who does not continue holding on to Jesus but turns back in this context to Judaism, in this context to the old covenant rooted in the Mosaic law. He's saying continue forward. What you need is endurance in your faith to continue following Jesus in the midst of this persecution that you're suffering. And so that sets up the context for what we're going to be looking at this morning here in Hebrews chapter 3. So if you would turn to Hebrews 3 with me and um, follow along. We're going to start by looking at uh, the first six verses and then we'll continue for a little after that. And um, just to let you know where I'm going as we look at God's growth plan for us. The big picture here is to endure patiently in your faith in the midst of the struggles, the trials, the tribulations of life. Has anybody here had to uh, endure anything hard over the last year? We've all been going through this pandemic together. Um, I know as I walk with many of you that... um, some are enduring cancer, some are enduring other challenges in life, and life is not easy. And many of us have trials and tribulations and suffering that we encounter in life. And the author, not only of Hebrews, but as we'll look at other authors here in the New Testament, we'll see that we're called to endure patiently in our faith. And that is God's part of God's growth plan for us. So we can take courage, we can have hope in the midst of whatever struggles and challenges that we're encountering. All right, so let's read here from Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. I'll read up through verse 6, and we'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll continue on. Hebrews 3.1, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. I love the way the NIV translates this word, consider. It says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. The apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Remember, these people are thinking about turning back to Moses. They're thinking about turning back to the old covenant and the Mosaic law. He's saying, remember that Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed. Remember those words, if indeed. They're going to come up again. And we're actually going to look at how they're used in the Old Testament as well. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast to what? Our confidence in our boasting in our hope talking about jesus christ in first timothy chapter one paul's writing to timothy who's a pastor and he says jesus christ is our hope first timothy one one paul writing to the church at Colossae, in chapter one verse seven of the book of colossians says that is christ in us the hope of glory so we can see that what this author of Hebrews is doing here is calling his audience, these readers of this letter to hold fast to their confidence and their boasting in the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. When it would be a whole lot easier to turn a different way and not have this confidence in Jesus Christ, not boast in him, not find your hope in him. And so he's telling them to patiently endure. So I want to walk back through this uh, quickly. We won't go through it in detail. But I want to show you what's going on here in the um, context of these first six verses. So what we see here is this author um, bringing a comparison between the faithfulness of Jesus and the faithfulness of Moses. He's saying Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him. Moses also was faithful to him who appointed him. So Moses was faithful to be used of God in God's plan to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, bring them through the wilderness, and the plan was to bring them into the promised land. That was God's plan to use Moses. And Moses was faithful in that plan. But it says here, that Jesus was also faithful. Here's that comparison. Jesus was faithful to God's plan for him to be used of God in the plan to redeem the world back to himself. And so we have this comparison of Moses who was faithful, Jesus who was faithful. But within this context, we also have a contrast. And this is where things get a little bit interesting. And the contrast here is that Even though Moses was faithful and Jesus was faithful, Jesus is worthy of more honor and glory than Moses. And here's why. Because Moses was used of God in this plan with Israel in such a way that it was meant to point forward to Jesus and what Jesus Christ would do. And I want to take us to Exodus 19. Remember I said that word, if indeed, it's going to come up again? I want to see what that word, how that word is used here in Exodus 19. So if you would turn with me to Exodus 19, take a look at uh, a couple of verses there. So I want to read from Exodus 19, beginning in verse 3. While A little bit before that, verse 2. There Israel encamped before the mountain, talking about Mount Sinai. Verse 3. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed, there's that word again, those words, if you indeed, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God giving these words to Moses who would then share with the people of Israel. And this is right before the giving of the Ten Commandments. And what we see here is something that's completely conditional. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure possession among all the peoples. So God in this covenant that he's giving through Moses to the people of Israel says, if you indeed listen to what I say and do what I tell you and keep all of this covenant, then you will be blessed. You'll be my treasured people amongst all the people of the earth. Now let's contrast that with what we see in Jesus Christ. Because this is the old covenant here given through Moses to the people of Israel. But several weeks back, we celebrated Easter, but not only Easter. A few days prior to that, we celebrated Monday Thursday together here. And we saw Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. He broke the bread and he took the wine. He said, this is the new covenant of my blood that I am initiating. And unlike the old covenant, this wasn't based on the obedience of the people. The new covenant is based on our faith in the obedience of Christ, what he did. Christ is the only one who truly listened to God's voice and obeyed that covenant perfectly. Nobody else could do that. But Jesus Christ did. And so what we see here in the new covenant is that we're called to put our trust in Jesus, in what he did as the only one who could fulfill the Mosaic law, as the only one who could perfectly keep the old covenant. And so do you see the contrast between what God gave to Moses, the old covenant, and what God gave through Jesus, the new covenant? And so that's what's going on here. And the author of Hebrews is saying, don't go back to that. Don't go back to that old covenant. Hang on to the new covenant, Jesus Christ. Because all that the old covenant was meant to do, all that the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments were meant to do, was to point to Christ and our need for him. So why would you want to go back to that which is a shadow and a sign pointing to the real thing, the substance, which is Jesus Christ? Don't do it. He's saying endure in your faith. Endure patiently as you live for me, as you suffer persecution, as you're around others who are suffering persecution. Hold fast, it says here. To the confidence in Jesus Christ, the boasting in Jesus Christ, the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Don't go back, don't turn aside. The same thing holds true of us. Don't turn away from Jesus Christ. If you have a confidence and a confession that you're following Jesus Christ, don't turn in any other direction. Don't turn away from God. But hold fast to that confession. Hold fast to that confidence. Hold fast to that boasting. Hold fast to that hope that you have in Jesus Christ and him alone. Then the author of Hebrews, here in chapter 3, uses a quote from the Old Testament. This is taken from... Psalm 95, but it it actually is showing us an event that we find in Exodus 17, an event where God had brought the people of Israel miraculously out of slavery in Egypt, God had brought the people of Israel miraculously through the Red Sea, God had miraculously wiped out the enemies of Israel by bringing the walls of water down on them and drowning them. All the army of the Egyptians. And now the people of Israel find themselves in the wilderness. And they run out of water. And because of this hardship that they encounter. Because of this struggle. They begin to question God. They begin to say. They begin to say. Maybe we should go back to Egypt. And, and they start grumbling against Moses. And they, was, they told Moses, why did you bring us out here into the wilderness only to see us die here in the wilderness? So let's read verses 7 through 11 here from Hebrews 3 and see what Psalm 95 is saying to us here, knowing that context that we find in Exodus 17. Verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, Talking about God. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. They were testing God, it says there in Exodus 17. If you go back and look at that passage, they were testing God. God, why have you brought us out here? We saw the miracles you did. But what now, God? Are we going to die here in the wilderness? Verse 9 where your fathers put me to the test, where your fathers put God to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Verse 11, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So what we see here and why... The author of Hebrews is quoting this from the Old Testament from Psalm 95. as He's saying these people had seen God work mighty and miraculously in their lives. But they had a heart problem. They had unbelieving hearts in God. They had hearts that saw the circumstances of life around them and realized how challenging it was. And wanted them to turn back to that which God had brought them out of. And so it says here that they had unbelieving hearts. They did not know God's ways, even though they had seen Him work in incredible ways. They did not truly believe in God, the God who had promised to take them to the promised land. And there it says, there in verse 11, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. They shall not enter into the promised land. All this generation of Israelites that God had freed from slavery in Egypt because they had evil, unbelieving hearts, as we'll see here in the next verse, were not able to enter into God's rest. We're not able to enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. Because they did not endure... In trusting in God when things got tough. So let's go ahead and continue on here. Um, looking at verses 12 through 15. So here comes a warning from this author. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Wow, that's a dire warning, isn't it? Verse 13, but exhort. That word exhort, we could think of the word encourage. But, but encourage one another every day. As long as it is called, when? As long as it is called today. Encourage one another. That none of you may be hardened. That word hardens about talking about going to unbelief in your heart. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed, there's those words again, if indeed, we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence, confidence in Jesus, firm to the end. Verse 15, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Repeating once again from Psalm 95. And so the author of Hebrews is calling these readers, this audience, to patiently endure in faith. Don't be deceived by sin, which calls you to go away from trusting in Jesus and go back to what Jesus brought you out of. And so we see from this passage, and we're going to take a look at a few other passages here in the New Testament, that part of God's growth plan for us is for us to patiently endure in our faith, no matter what the circumstances of life are around us, no matter what trials and tribulation and struggle and suffering that we go through. I want to give us a little bit clearer picture of that. And we're going to see actually three different authors in the New Testament kind of giving us the same idea. So with that in mind, let's turn to James chapter 1. And I'll give you a minute because I know you're turning there to follow along. James chapter 1, starting with verse 2 says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Really? <laughs> count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds? Why would we want to do that? that? That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound right. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness, another word we could look at there is the word endurance. That the testing of your faith produces endurance and steadfastness. And let endurance and steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, James here writing to his audience is, say, is saying, Take joy in the midst of the various trials tribulations, struggles that you're going through because it's a testing of your faith which produces an endurance in your faith. And that endurance in your faith then brings you through Christian maturity to a point where you become more and more like Jesus. And it's, he says here that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, being made more and more like Jesus Christ, that's the whole idea of the growth plan to become more like Jesus. And that's the whole idea of God's growth plan here as we find it in scripture to become more like Jesus. But this takes place in the midst of suffering, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of trials and tribulations as we patiently endure in our faith. We see a very similar message found um, by Peter in 1st uh, Peter. So let's take a look at 1st Peter and I want to start in verse 3 and read Peter talking about a very similar idea Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. We we just sang that earlier. To a living hope, talking about Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power... By God's power, check it out. I love that. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time, ready to be revealed at the second coming of Jesus when he returns. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, at the second coming of Jesus, when he returns and takes us to glory, where we become like him. So Peter here is calling his Audience, the people that he wrote this letter to, to patiently endure in their faith, to hold on in their faith, looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ, looking forward to that time that we will be glorified with Jesus. We will be fully in his presence and we will be like him. And we do that through, as he says here, various trials. The various trials that we encounter in life. So we see the very same idea here that we've seen in Hebrews, that we've seen in James. Now we see it in Peter. So how does all this work? How are we able to patiently endure in our faith in the midst of trials, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of possible persecution for our faith? Well, I think uh, Paul puts it a little bit clearly, and will help us as we turn to Romans chapter five. So if you would turn to Romans five with me. I wanna read part of a passage from Romans five, starting with verse one. God says, through Paul, Romans five one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in that day when we will be glorified. Verse three, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh-oh, there it is again. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance. And endurance produces character. Talking about Christ-like character. Talking about enduring in your faith. And Christ-like character then is produced in your life. He goes on and says, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So look at this. Our suffering produces endurance. Our endurance produces Christ-like character. And character in us produces hope. Hope in Jesus, who is our hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit reminds us That God loves us. And we we can find hope in the midst of whatever these trials are that we're going through. Whatever these struggles are that we're encountering. We can find hope. Hope in Jesus. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit reminds us that God loves us. And Paul tells us here, Um, as we continue on in Romans 5, what that hope looks like, what that love of God looks like for us. So let's read just a little bit further here. Verse 6 of Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. shall we be saved by his life. And so, Paul, in writing to the church in Rome, says that part of God's growth plan for them and part of God's growth plan for us is to endure patiently in our faith, in the midst of trials, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of suffering, whatever that is for you in your life. He says that will produce endurance, And that endurance will produce Christ-like character. And that Christ-like character then produces hope in Christ. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of God's love. And what did he say God's love was here? Looking back to the cross. Looking back to all that Jesus did for us through his finished work at the cross. When I say finished work at the cross, I'm talking about his death and burial and resurrection and ascension back into heaven. That's the love of God for us because it says while we were his enemies, while we were yet sinners, Christ did this for us. This was God's love demonstrated to us. So we've seen here through some of these various passages that in the midst of struggle, in the midst of trials and tribulation, we're called to... Patiently endure in our faith. And in that process, we're called to look forward to Christ's second coming. When we'll be glorified, we'll be made like him. But we're also called to look back at God's love demonstrated at the cross through Jesus. So this is all about Jesus Christ. And we're called to endure in our faith in him and all that he has done, and all that he will do. So it's all about him, and we're just called to endure patiently in our faith through this process. So I want to take us now back to Hebrews 3. And, um, and we're almost done here, so hang in there with me. Hebrews 3, in verse 1, starts with the word, therefore. So for, in order for us to truly understand what's going on here, when we see that word, therefore, we need to go back to what came prior to that, which would be obviously chapter two. And so I want to read um, just from the end of chapter two, starting in verse 17, says, Therefore, he, talking about Jesus, had to be made like his brothers, talking about he had to be made human. In every respect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. What did the high priest do? The high priest offered up the sacrifice for the people. The high priest was a representative for the people. Bringing the sacrifice of atonement so that God's wrath would not come down on the people. God's wrath would come down on that sacrifice. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That word, propitiation, a simple way to understand that is that this would satisfy the wrath of God. So Jesus, through offering himself as the sacrifice, satisfied God's wrath that we deserve because we are sinners. And so he served as a a high priest, merciful and faithful high priest in this way. Verse 18, For because he himself has suffered when tempted. He suffered, it says, when he was tempted. Jesus, in his humanity, talking about here. Scripture shows us clearly through the Gospels that he was taken by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan. He was tempted to not continue on with his father's plan for him, his father's plan of redemption for all the world. We look throughout Jesus' ministry that he was challenged at every corner by the Jewish religious leaders. You're not truly the Messiah. You're not truly the King. You're not truly the one that we've been waiting for. And there was temptation for Jesus in that to turn aside from his Father's plan for him, to be used of his Father in redeeming the world back to himself. So that's the temptation that's talking about. And it says he suffered in that, he had to make choices. In his humanity, to continue on, to patiently endure in trusting his Father and his Father's plan. So it says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That would be us. When the circumstances of life aren't what we would like them to be, when the circumstances of life become challenging, And we encounter struggles and we suffer. Sometimes it's tempting to say, Man, life would be a whole lot easier if I didn't just continue following this Jesus. I could be like the rest of the world eat, drink, and be merry. I'd have no problems. Jesus suffered when he was tempted, and he's able to help those who are being tempted. To turn away from faith in Jesus Christ we know that life has its struggles we know that life has suffering I just lost one of my closest friends about a week and a half ago died unexpectedly from a heart attack didn't see it coming nobody saw it coming and I, I rejoice with my brother Ron that he's now in heaven with his savior that he so clearly loved and and longed to be with. I'm so happy for him. But if I'm honest, I also miss my brother. I miss him greatly. Because you see, we met almost weekly over the last three years. And we talk about Jesus. We talk about life and, and how the two came together. And there's a part of me that wants to question God and say, God, I'm glad that you have Ron with you, but God, I miss him. Why did you take him? This this was so unexpected. I I miss meeting with my brother. But what am I called to do? I'm called to patiently endure in my faith, even though there's a part of me that's suffering right now. I want to finish here by taking us to the very next chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to end with a passage from the end of Hebrews chapter 4, looking at verses 15 and 16. Starting with verse 15 of Hebrews 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, weaknesses, plural, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, did not deviate from his father's plan for him one bit whatsoever, even though he knew that was leading to his suffering and his death, that cruel death on the cross, verse 16, let us then with confidence some some translations use the word boldly let us then boldly with confidence draw near to the throne of grace the throne where the ancient one of days god himself is seated that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need this is all made possible through jesus christ who was tempted as we are who knew what it was like to suffer, to go through trials. But through him, because he stayed true to his father's plan, and he didn't turn aside, he didn't turn back. Through him, who patiently endured in carrying out his father's plan, a way has been made for us to enter into the throne of grace before God himself that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, in our time of struggles, in our time of suffering. We're called to endure patiently in our faith. Look to Jesus. Look back to what he did at the cross. Look forward to his second coming. Come before God Almighty at his throne of grace and say, we need help to endure patiently in our faith in Jesus. We can't do it alone. But just as we saw here in Hebrews 3 says, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. So we are called to encourage one another to patiently endure in our faith. And this happens within the context of biblical community. We can do it on a Sunday morning all together. I'm exhorting you to continue patiently enduring in your faith. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm exhorting you to go back to Hebrews 3.1, to consider Jesus, to fix your thought on Jesus. But I truly hope that this is not the only context that we exhort one another to consider jesus in i truly hope that we through biblical community throughout the week would gather and encourage one another to endure patiently in our faith because we need one another to remind one another of jesus we desperately need that in our lives And whether that be through Zoom or whether that be through meeting together, whether that be through Sunday school, whatever that context, whatever that environment looks like for you, I challenge you to gather together, to encourage one another to consider Jesus, to fix your thoughts on Jesus, to look back at his finished work at the cross, to look forward to the hope and with longing for his second return. And so this is what I'm calling God's growth plan for us in the midst of whatever life brings. So let me pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. This is all about him. And and we're simply called to endure patiently in our faith in the one who fulfilled the mosaic law in the one who met every command that you have given in the one who's died on the cross for us the one who's coming back again for us to take us into glory father we can't do this alone we need the help of your spirit as your word tells us to remind us of your love each and every moment of each and every day that we may patiently endure in our faith. And Father, my prayer for us as the family of River Bluff is that we would find ways to gather together, even outside of Sunday morning, to encourage one another to patiently endure in our faith. So Father, we bring all this to you. We we praise you. We worship you because you are so worthy to be praised and worshiped. And so, Father, we thank you for your word that shows us your growth plan for us. This we pray in Jesus' name.